Welcome to the LegalSoft Podcast. In this episode, Kasim Idris meets with Hamid Cohen to discuss why virtual staffing could be the perfect fit for your law firm. Kasim also discussed why it's so important to take every case for your firm. Hamid also explains why a lot of lawyers are trying to do everything at once. It's just not possible, and he's going to tell us why. Thank you for tuning into the LegalSoft Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. This is Hamid Cohen from LegalSoft, and we are going to continue about employment law, CC evaluation, and discussion with Kasim and AI implementation into the law practice. Hello, everyone. This is Hamid Kohan, President and CEO of LegalSoft. Welcome to the next episode of LegalSoft Academy or LegalSoft Podcast. As I said, I'm happy to uh, introduce Kasim. He's one of our clients at LegalSoft who has established an employment labor law practice since a couple of years ago. And I would love to introduce him. Kasim, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, man. Thank you. Uh, like Hamid mentioned, my name is Kasim. I am the Managing partner of Employment Law Assist. We exclusively practice plaintiff's employment law. I've been practicing for roughly about seven years now. The practice has been going into its uh, third year now. Great. Thank you for joining us today again. It's good to be here. So, Kazim, I remember about a couple of years ago, a little over two years ago, that you uh, wanted to essentially establish the employment firm, that you wanted to establish it, run it, operate it, and uh, you did a great job with that, and I know we started from zero. There was nothing exists, even not even a domain name didn't just exist. <laughs> yeah, just some pizza. We we're just having some meal, <laughs> talking about this, and you came forward and you started the practice. And I know that we started everything from scratch. So please tell us how the process went from you know summary version for those of you who actually we have a lot of folks coming to us and that they want to start their practice. Usually, remember I told you, some people are a little bit confused when they come in, they say, look, I want to do a PI, and then employment, and then lemon, and a workers' comp on the end, which is like, I made the example of like, the, you know, my kid want to go to college and say, I want to be an engineer, accountant, doctor, and lawyer. So what do you think? And I'm like, no, <laughs> are you drunk? <laughs> because you can't do that. You need to know what you're going to go into the college for. It's the same thing that I say about going to a practice. You know, figure out what you want to do. Even doing one successfully is very challenging. So pick one and go to. So the people who come and say, I want to do PI in California, I say, no, don't. It's overly saturated. Consider employment because it is much more open, a uh, lot more difficult and challenging, and it needs a lot more, uh, I would say, hard work and commitment and so forth. But at least the market is there. So remember we had the same conversation a few years ago when you're starting out and say employment, boy, you can, if you do it right, you can make a very successful law practice. And you started off, and at that point you didn't even know enough about employment law in California, which we connected to some experts or some other attorneys who coach you, guide you, whatever. So please tell us how you started this and how you got to this point. This field of law is not only my biggest fear as a business owner, but also as an opportunity for myself. Uh, but I also wanted to maintain different areas of law, especially because I had the history of transactional law. Uh, funny enough, you were the first person to say, probably should focus on one thing. And I'm very glad you gave me that advice because to this day, I'm still learning this field of law. 
I may be able to go to trial. I can build a case from start to finish. But there's still so much that I'm trying to learn to be a piece of asset in this industry and not someone that's looking for the low-hanging fruit. And I think that's the most profound thing with the choice that I made. It was that had I been doing transactional business formation, whatever, along employment, I probably would have been the worst employment attorney in the industry. Now, I'm not the best, but I'm still trying to get better each day. The only way I'm doing this is by focusing on how I'm currently practicing, what I'm currently doing, how can I learn more, how can I do more. That takes a lot of time. And as unstoppable as humans are, we need time to get there. And so, you know, my experience all the way through was to just be as good as I can be and as effective as I can be. And it was almost like running to a wall back and forth, back and forth until you got past the first wall. And then it was the second wall, hitting the wall, hitting the wall until you can get past that second wall. I think the practice of law, it's constantly like that because there is no such thing as a blueprint to practice law. Every attorney practices differently. Their arguments are developed differently and their effectiveness is seen in different ways as well. Some people think some attorneys are ineffective, but then the next day they turn around with a huge settlement because they either brought in the right case or they can do something different. None of that comes with luck. It comes with hard work and it comes with the intent. Also with the structure. Absolutely. You know, remember one of the first things that we said, it can take like a year to set up a practice, which is a lot of people do. Oh, my cousin is doing the website. My, my brother is doing my social. I'm not so sure about my logo right now or my, my case management software. Mm-hmm. But I remember one of the things that we did with, with your practice was from initially create that blueprint of you need to do these 18 things to set up your practice quickly so you don't take you a year and you're still sort of working on your website. I remember we were talking about those things and a lot of people had a tendency of sort of going off track and try to do stuff themselves or not buy that case management software they actually need and wait until they have 100 cases. So I remember we did that and a matter of I think less than two months, your law practice was set up ready to take clients. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that was the most incredible thing, all thanks to you, really, Hamid. Um, <laughs> and I was also one of those people that said, uh, you know what, I don't know if right now is the right time. Lo and behold, almost every single time, time passed, and I came back and said, you're right, right? What was incredible, what we developed, was that everything was methodically planned out, tested and proven. And so for someone like me, I hesitated at first thinking, is this the right way? Can there be a better way? Um, and lo and behold, once everything kind of came back and came into structure, I looked at this and said, well, you know what, every thought process I had that deviated from your plan was really based off inexperience. What's set up here is the complete picture, and it doesn't have to be perfect because it's ever evolving. What was great about this was there are things that we developed that I never thought about. Intaking, yeah, we need scripts for intaking. I understood that. But what's the intake process? How are we going to improve the intake process down the line? How many people do we need to keep the constant flow of cases coming in and the settlements going out? All of that was completely unknown. And then once this initial structure came into place, it was like seeing a machine work, right? And it's and it was the like the 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 first you know, piston that's running and you're thinking, okay, how much more can we build off of this? Screw how to build the engine all over again. Let's build off of what's built here. Um, that 
by far, I think, allowed us to grow at a very fast rate, um, almost immediately. Without that, that structure, it would have been impossible. I remember the first time we talked about the intake here, you were actually doing intake yourself to get familiar with the intake process and the questions, because you know in employment, every intake is listening to somebody's story of some kind about something. Right. And when I said we need four full-time intakers, you were like, what? What we need four people for? I'm talking to them. I'm fine. I'm, I will continue. I work 24 hours a day if you want me to. <laughs> you know. And you were like, okay, how about your weekend? And you have a family. You have kids. Thank God. And it was like, no, no, no. You can't do that. You need four intakers to do a 24-7 bilingual intake, right. which for you in the beginning was like a total overkill, but quickly realized that you actually need them. Yeah, it was necessary. It's not just that I needed it. It was absolutely necessary to move to the next step, right? Just like what you're advising me on today, it's the same type of application we've had from the start. It's, you know, build the structure, put the right people in, not for what the needs are today, but for what the needs are tomorrow. Where are you headed towards? That's where the structure to support, not today's work, right? Exactly. exactly. And then, the, so you had four intake VAs that you coached and trained and set them up and they became sort of the factory of bringing the cases in and qualifying and screening them and then setting them up for consultation for you so you don't have to filter out all the unqualified stories, right. essentially. So it made your process a lot more efficient, talking to the people who have had at least 50% plus chance of becoming a client. Right. And that was, our, I think that was the first thing to, to sign them up. And then and you did that, then you start actually starting the case, and then we said, get a case management software, and then tell us that challenge, because that itself was like, well, can I use a Google Sheet or a Google Doc or, or a Dropbox to do it? <laughs> well, I've, I've always been the type to think simplicity is key so you can be effective. Focus on the effectiveness first, not the, not the surrounding circumstances. Um, but I, I learned that very fast, not only through getting intake VAs, but then the case management software. Didn't know where to start. I'd rather just use the Google Sheets. It's very simple, very easy to follow. And when it gets necessary, we'll do it, Hamid. When it gets necessary, we'll do it. Lo and behold, it got too fast, too quick, and um, I couldn't manage the cases. So what did, what did I do? I came to your doors. I mean, I need something, right? You got me started with FileVine. We still use FileVine to this day. But it's one of those things where I look back, I, I almost think I must have been crazy to think I could have done it without some kind of support, like a uh, case management support. So um, yeah, I, that trickled into you know, great, now we have a software that can manage our cases and we see what we have, what's next? How do we develop from here? Because now we have almost a KPI set up for intaking and now we have at least the environment of how to manage our cases from here. So what did we do next was we started developing out how can we get demands written faster? How can we get demands out faster? Communications with the opposing counsel quicker, right? None of these things were able to be calculated or I guess even even tracked without software, right? And you know, FileVine was our backbone behind that and to this day still is. All of our case reviews are ran out of that. If we were using any other software like Clio or whatever, we would be doing the same thing. Right. Um, and I think that's what a lot of new attorneys don't seem to really understand is, yeah, you can do it. There's a lot everyone could do, but only you can only do so much as one human right. being. And for the 
those are folks out there who are actually you know watching in this thing and they want to consider employment law as it's been. everybody starts with getting referrals right because you don't want to go spend a lot of money generating original cases uh, and then experiment with them learn them and do them and so forth so probably the last 10 15 employment firms that I was involved starting up all started with referrals and referrals are great and I still great and I still can get a tons of referrals so I'll we introduce you to several law firms who were providing your firm referrals in the beginning that was purely how everything was coming in pretty rapidly I must say you were at yeah. some point it was like everybody's go-to <laughs> it's like here's Kasim here's the 10 cases the five cases and you were just uh, taking them in and working them so give me a little experience on doing the referral setup on your part yeah yeah and you know I mean really the setup was you right you, you introduced me to these firms you told me how it was going to work and I ran with it um, I think a huge reason why I was able to get a lot of referrals and keep getting referrals to this day is that I was able to offer something different most other firms couldn't which is infrastructure really, they knew you can handle it because they knew your firm is set up to take them and that was a few comments I got from some of the more experienced employment attorneys like Melman saying that look he has a setup done pack I give him raw raw leads and he turns them into cases and I'm so happy that people are getting help and I'm getting compensated as a referral fee and Kasim turns it into money right. so they knew that they were not because it's one of the issues with a lot of the firms that we start up again it goes back to the first mentality of I can do all of it myself and then they start getting referrals uh, and they can't handle it and it immediately gets apparent on the other side when one of the clients that they referred called them back and said look I've been trying to get a hold of John for past four days but he doesn't return my call that's the end of referral right. because they don't want to refer to somebody who can't even pick up the phone or respond to the client potential client so you were set up to take good amount of numbers of incomings and you were turning them That's right. so so give me a little more about that well what's a, I guess you know it, it's interesting because you look at it in different perspectives right the referring firm is like a client it's a customer you have to sell them in order for them to keep sending you referrals the infrastructure you set up we set up together allowed for that to happen because what did we do was we offered transparency and efficiency if you send us cases on the on one day on any given day within 24 hours we'll have someone contact them that's a process we have in our firm built on the infrastructure we we developed right when you want to know the real-time status of your referral just click this link and you can see exactly where it's not a fancy program it's the infrastructure we created that has these processes and automations through our VAs through our intake staff that allows the referring my referring firm to say okay I sent this lead over on X day they already ran the intake this is where they are this is what they're doing all they're doing is tracking the infrastructure we already have in place right. so without the infrastructure I may have gotten two or three referrals and they probably would have stopped dealing with me because it would have been weeks or months before they even heard anything from me about. yeah and nobody ever receives any checks either on the other end a year down the road it's like so where's my money that's exactly <laughs> right? right so I mean without the infrastructure we put in place I don't think any of these firms would have had much of an interest working with me I wasn't an, an experienced attorney where I knew I can come and get a, a much higher settlement than the I guess the rest of the competition 
right? It was offering that competitive advantage that had a lot of firms coming back. All comes back to the infrastructure that was developed. Yeah, and I, I, uh, I know that all of those firms that I talk to, when be, having our conversations or talk, I have it with them on a regular basis, they all say, I gotta refer more cases to Kasim. I have to, re- I have to send him more cases. I, because they had such a good experience, so they want that to be the first one that they go to and then go down their list. So that's a great track record, actually having the people who refer out wanting to go to you directly as often as possible. It works out very nice for us as well, and we're always open to taking as many referrals as possible. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, you know, at the end of the day, it's not that we just take the referral and we throw it into a batch either, right? We treat these referrals as a high priority. If there's a good flow of cases coming in from a certain firm, we understand that, we recognize that, we spec that into our process, right? Without a strong foundation and a strong uh, infrastructure, really, you don't have that flexibility to now change your processes around and cater to the people that are sending you cases. At the end of the day, it's a business, and you need to be able to do that. Otherwise, your selling is going to be very weak. And if you sell weak, you close weak, you perform weak. Absolutely, and uh, nobody wins in that situation. But I want to clarify for those audiences who are very much tied into this kind of a system, and they believe that <clears throat> they can survive and scale 100% on the referrals. I see a lot of those folks, but they don't realize one thing, which we switched in your process a while back. and says, look, you're going to get the referrals for getting experience, getting client retention, getting traction, and all of that. But no firm that I know who's going to give you six, seven-figure cases as a referral, because they do it themselves. Why give it to you or anybody else? They... They send you the cases, which is not in their caliber. It could be $20,000, $50,000, $75,000 cases. But I know firms who don't take anything below 100K valued cases. And I know ones that they go below or above. So I just want everybody to know that at some point, you have to generate your own organic cases. And those are, it increases your chance of getting those high valued cases that makes it great financial impact to the firm. Absolutely. And when I when people get into, so that they get addicted to the incoming referrals, they, but they don't realize that they're not going to get that half a million dollar case as a referral. Because unless it slips through the cracks, right? <laughs> right? No employment from I know will going to refer <laughs> to anybody a half a million dollar case. So... At some point, they have to say, okay, I'm established. I have a good flow of cases coming. I build the infrastructure. I have my VAs doing intake, VAs doing case management. Now I need to invest in the firm financially. And that's what we started doing together by getting some lead sources where you're generating uh, organic. When I say organic, means it's paid for by the firm to acquire those cases and create the leads. Then it brings the balance. Then I have, if I have 300 cases, 150 of them are referral and 150 of them I generated. Now I ended up with 300. Right. So give me your experience doing this <laughs> because you went through this whole uh, recipe or blueprint. So, Yeah, I mean, uh, we're still going through it, right? That transition is, um, I, I, you know, I see it as a never-ending job, but I'm sure at some point we'll figure out what we're doing there. But um, it, it's the toughest thing because you're essentially getting referrals at zero cost. As a business owner, you're looking at this and you're thinking, well, great, there's a very low risk uh, venture into this. But there, I guess the, 
I guess the unnoticed aspect here is really the sustainability factor. That's the hardest thing uh, even for myself to understand was, okay, I'm staffing up, I'm building infrastructure, putting a lot of investments in. Now I have to start putting money into growing my own leads. You know, what name do I have versus the other firm that has a bigger name and is sending me these cases? I think short-sightedness, it almost sounds like keep riding that wave. But one thing I learned very, I guess, down the line is you can't be dependent or your business can't be dependent on someone else's business. And that is what the referral system is. It's a crutch to get you going. But essentially, you're at mercy of whoever sends you the referral. That time should be used to invest in growing your name and growing your brand, but then bringing, you know, that eventually brings your own cases in through the door and let that kind of build on its own as you get these referrals. Again, you look at the referral as a crutch and not as a, as a main source of drive, right, or income. And so, you know, as we're going through this right now, I think as early as last year, we started doing this. Even now, it's what more can we do? How can we expand on that? Because the sustainability as a firm within its own you know, image and brand, it really relies on that, right? You can't always be the firm that just picks up the referrals. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to struggle at one point, and you're also going to hurt your reputation, right? You yeah. have to have leads coming in because they know you, recognize you, and trust you. Exactly. So chapter three. Chapter three was when you reached the point that you had significant amount of incoming from referrals, you're generating your own cases. And now it happens where now you got the big cases coming through where it was new to you because you're not 15, 20 years veterans of you know, employment law practice, especially when you get to hire complicated cases, class action employment, class action invasion hours, the pogo stuff, all of this stuff. So you came back wisely enough to say, I mean, I got this half a million dollar cases and these class action cases and stuff. So what do I do? Again, so many mistakes that typical startups do. I'm going to learn and do it. And then, then I screw it up and I lose my license and I get a ding <laughs> on my bar. No, don't go that route, which, which, which you, you were laughing about now, but I see some people in trouble with that. And then you said, so what do we do with this? Very clear. I cook you up with some great experience, class actions, high-value employment case attorneys who you not only you're giving them and they get the best value for you, you're also learning through working with them as a co-counsel and basically like partnering up with them, not just throwing it over the fence. So you're getting paid to learn, right? Because you give them the case, you know they're going to get a lot more value than you would do with a lot less risk. And meanwhile, they're teaching you how to do it next time for yourself. Right. So <laughs> chapter three. So you explain how that chapter three works. <laughs> well, at least for me, um, you know, it, it was exactly how you describe it is first you got to get the case. You know, that's the first thing is you, you, you bring in your own leads. Now you have this case that didn't go to the big guys because it came to you. Um, and it really came to now presenting an opportunity to the other side. It's just like any other business or sale. Right. You were going to them with the win win situation. You don't want to waste their time, but you also want to increase the value of your case, right? Um, I remember, and, and I, your example kind of comes back to me because I remember when I had the first big class action, I said, I'm going to learn this myself. I mean, you're like, what are you doing? What do you do? How are you going to do this while running your practice? You're going to hurt the case. That's the result. And, you know, I look back at this 
thinking, geez, you're absolutely right. When you told me that, I said, no, like, how am I going to be a better attorney? How am I going to learn more? How am I going to do things? The reality is it's not going to come from me. The reality is going and bringing these types of value cases to high, you know, high seasoned experienced attorneys. That's when you're going to learn and get the exposure that you need to get better. So what I do now is now I have my own referral system, sending out as many as I can to the class action guys, keeping a few for myself to then go to the more seasoned attorneys and say, would you like to co-counsel with me? I'd say 50% of my litigation cases are situated like that so that I have an ability to learn and keep growing with my practice while also maintaining my cases, but also keeping a relationship with another attorney too. So this experience, I think now I'm really in this chapter three, has been the core value that allows us to keep growing because I can only do so much. Um, and then that leads into really the biggest issue is hiring, right? So that you can do it in-house. Yeah, absolutely. You've done, you done all of those, all, all of the above. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, it's been very successful. So on the other side um, is if somebody that doesn't know the inside of your practice, would think that you have an, a team of marketing folks, client retentions, client referral management, all this stuff that would think you have it inside your firm, looking at your online presence, right? And your client retention and referrals and things like that. The client referrals, not the law firm referrals. So I know, knowing your firm, that you don't have that function built into your practice. Right. And I know that the legal staff is providing a lot of those services through that. So uh, tell me a little bit of experience of how this looks from the outside that, man, this guy's got his social media taken care of, his client retentions and client referrals and his uh, newsletters going out and stuff like that. So give me a little bit of that, on that experience you have. Yeah, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because I really didn't recognize how much we developed in such a short amount of time. Um, until family and friends started approaching me, messaging me and calling me and saying, wow, you built a really big firm. How did you do it? And I'm thinking, geez, I don't really have that many people to do it. <laughs> but the reality is I do, right? right? You know, between the VAs in office and myself, that's one thing. That's employment law assist. But LegalSoft is a whole new component that people don't really realize drives this firm, right? My, my VAs are managed through you. My social media is managed through you. My website's managed through you. Actually, all marketing is managed through you. Uh, geez, you probably manage more than I really even re <laughs> realize, but that's, that's what I like about we it. You can always do more. And I know <laughs> we're trying to figure out how to do more, right? But that's what I like about it. We're, we're, we're utilizing technology these days. We're not doing it in a very loose manner or even a daring manner. It's a very, it's almost like common sense when you look at it on the inside. You say, well, yeah, why would you have somebody in your office running your social media campaign when you can already have it strategized, methodically planned out and on a monthly basis, you spend 30 minutes in reviewing it to approve, right? Why would you have a whole office for the intake staff when most of these guys can do it virtually? Um, so. What, what that's allowed us to do is really allowed me personally to focus on my practice, first and foremost, right? I'm not dealing with managing the team. I'm not dealing with managing all these little aspects. LegalSoft comes, gives me my package, opens the book, it says, Kasim, read this for 30 minutes. All right, great. Your marketing's done for the month, right? That is what I want. And I think for any new attorney, any new law firm owner, that is certainly what you want. 
you're not going to be the best attorney by having the coolest social media campaign. Now, granted, you may be able to differentiate yourself in the future doing that, but being new in this industry, that's not going to get your bills paid. That's not going to allow you to grow, right? You need to be focusing on that for as long as you can until you don't need to, until you have the people doing that for you. So everything else outside of that, you should trust someone that can grow it on their own terms, that have done it in the past, that do it for other firms, and that allow you to not think about it. Right? Um, I think by far that's probably the biggest driver next to infrastructure that's allowed us to continuously keep growing. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So chapter four. <laughs> <laughs> Folks like yourself and other uh, attorneys that I've worked more closely with, I was in the past six months, nine months, I've came to me and said, so what is all this AI thing going to do to me and my practice? Because it, it, it excited a lot of people, it scared a lot more people that what is this going to do to me and my practice? You know, employment is one of the safest ones. I would worry about all the transactional law that you mentioned before about corporate formations and immigrations and so forth, who's going to have a much greater impact from AI sure. than employment. But there's a few things that I told you, I said, don't worry about it. We got our eye on the AI. And when, when it's ready and it's done, you, you'll be the first ones to receive this, yeah. this package, <laughs> this AI package. So one of the first experiments was actually using you know, the LegalSoft AI. The, uh, it's called FastDemand.ai, by the way, uh, to generate employment uh, demands from the system. So you don't have a demand backlog, which prevents cash flow issues. So uh, I know that you experimented some of that. So what's your feedback on that? I'm amazed. Um, there's, you know, with new, new, any new technology, especially AI, there is so much that needs to improve, develop, and kind of catch up to what... And regulate. And regulate. <laughs> For us, we're more so worried about the effectiveness right. than the regulation. But um, I, I, I think what's incredible about this is that it's almost there and that it's very tangible in terms of what, you, what it needs to get to and what it can do are very close together. And so what's exciting to see is now we're taking this move to now get the human component out of our demand drafting because we've had our intake, our investigation, and every step prior to the demand drafting stays almost methodically processed so that now what we can do is take those components and now incorporate it into this AI platform. It's going to streamline everything, um, at least up until the point where now we have a discussion with opposing counsel. I think that's really important because, again, you may have staff that can do that for you, but you create a structure for that staff. You have less people with their hands in this that aren't attorneys. You have a system that's developed by you with people that understand your practice. It's, it's a game changer, you know, and I, you know, I know a lot of PI guys that are doing this, but I am definitely invested in this on the employment end. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the continuation of that AI implementation, because we just, uh, in LegalSoft, we have a company called uh, Practice AI, which is all AI development for most type practices. And even though we came in the middle of it with the demand being the middle of the process of the litigation or pre-litigation. Now we're going back and starting with using AI for intake, for a screening, especially the screening for employment. Because again, somebody got to listen to a lot of stories. And the more the stories, the more human resources you need to listen to. 
So we're trying to divert that some of that into an AI listener, which we can listen and trigger certain questions to qualify a client in the intake process to take it to the next level. You know, like one of those terms that is always used in employment, have you been terminated? You know, the termination triggers a whole different process. So you can structure, you'll be surprised how AI can actually sense the direction of the conversation and trigger very smart questions as a follow-up. And it's almost like seeing the best, best litigation attorney in the court questioning the, uh, the witness, right? <laughs> so the follow-up questions and the follow-up questions <laughs> to finally narrow it down that, like, you know, yep, you agree with me then. Now, you know, kind of a routine. So we're using that to do the AI for the intake and then uh, opening of the matter and collecting the documents and so forth. So you're going to see a lot more evolution of AI in the next 12 months that you would expect will happen in like eight years. But it's all going to happen in one year. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think the way AI works, that is the position you should be taking. See how much it can develop. But the reality is what's the difficulty behind AI is grasping those data points that really actually allow the machine to function on its own, right? It's not the data and analytics that it already can understand and absorb. It's the less methodical, more human understanding and interaction um, that I think a lot of people in the legal industry don't recognize has already been incorporated in AI. So especially employment, there's a lot of employment attorneys that think there's no way an AI bot is going to draft my demand letter. How can they do X, Y, and Z? Well, it's simple. They just taught them X, Y, and Z. And now they're going to be able to do it. And whatever you're worried about next, that's what they're teaching them now. The reality is this is how technology should work. I have no doubt in my mind that this is something that's here to stay. Absolutely. And grow and expand. People, Absolutely. they don't understand the AI is a machine learning. Skip the machine because it's stronger than any person's brain, the machines can be. And the keyword learning, continuous unlimited learning, which is not humanly possible. Right. So I think they don't, a lot of people still don't grasp that. Uh, so, but they're going to see a lot of changes coming up very soon. So chapter five, uh, <laughs> your client satisfaction. I know you have amazing client satisfaction rate because of the way you're handling the clients, client updates, statuses, client attention to the client and so forth. So give us a little bit about how you set up your practice that your clients are so amazingly happy. Because I mentioned I see a lot of practices. I work with a lot of firms. And client satisfaction is a big issue because they just think just because they are doing contingency and they're not doing billable hours and so forth, the client should just sort of be quiet, sit on the side, and let you know when I need you kind of a thing versus being proactive and communicative. So, and I know you've done a great job at that. So give us a little bit of insight to that. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to service, right? Um, even with the high case volume, every client matters, right? The goal is to make sure that client understands that one way or another. So when I first got started, I gave all my clients my cell phone number. To this day, you know, I still do. Do I answer it as much? Cautiously. Yeah, cautiously. <laughs> you know, I'll have hundreds of text messages in a single day. Um, but... What I do now is I delegate that. I delegate the customer service component. Even if it's just a VA to give a monthly call to give the update, 
So the client isn't the first one to wonder, wait, where's my lawyer, right? They get the call to understand what the lawyer is doing, even if it's, hey, look, we're giving you the same update as a month before, but here's the reason why, why this isn't something that we're just remembering. Um, and so this is, this is an operations issue that many firms probably don't see as important because it doesn't drive their settlement, but it still drives their brand equity. And that's, again, I think a little more of an MBA teachings and a, and a law firm teaching, but it all comes hand in hand, is you want the client to be happy, not only to leave a good review, but to send more business. And that's what we see. We see that because, again, the client has never felt like they've been left in the dark, even if there's no case, right? And when we can't help them and they are wondering, what do we do next? We help them get to that next point. Does it get us more money? No. Has it gotten us cases? Yes. And I've seen that time and time again. People still call my cell phone that aren't my clients that have never worked with us, but have my number because they said, well, you know, I reached out, tried to find an attorney and, you know, this former client of mine said, I know one attorney that will answer his phone. Right. So it's that service component and it doesn't have to be giving out a cell phone number, but it has to have there has to be an understanding that you're here to service the client, even if they're not putting money in, onto your desk. Sure. And the, those high value cases that everybody's chasing all the time and you can't really go out and buy them. It comes from satisfied clients referring you to their friends and family and say, this firm did me amazing job, kept me informed get me a good settlement and so forth. And that's how you get those big cases. So those of you guys who are basically looking to get to that point of getting your own high value cases, you gotta pay attention to client satisfaction, client referrals. Law firm referrals are great, but client referrals are amazing Absolutely. because that's where the big money is at. You know, and it's interesting that you say that. I think uh, as I'm looking back at the largest cases that we've retained, they've came from three areas. One was a referral from opposing counsel, which is interesting. Um, the other was a referral from another client, yeah. right? And the third was someone picked up the phone and, because they saw our reviews. Right. None, of, none of which asked me about how many years I've been doing this, how many cases I've done. Although I could probably stand by it to this day, that probably would have hurt me in the competitive landscape if they're looking at other firms. Right. The reality is they were sent to me because of what I'm doing internally. And again, it has nothing to do with the years of experience and the amount of cases. It has everything to do with the service and infrastructure. So Gazim, please tell our audience where to find you and how to contact you. And for those firms who are interested to refer clients to your firm, how to get in touch with you. Absolutely. Um, www.employmentlawassist.com is the best way to reach me. Um, we're on social media, Instagram at Employment Law Assist, Facebook at Employment Law Assist. Uh, but the best way always is to come to our website, fill out the contact us form. It'll come directly to me and I'll be able to reach out uh, within the day. Wonderful. Thank you again.